I saw a pastor yesterday and he gave me this book, <clears throat> The Joys of Successful Aging. <laughs> you know, you, you've got to be friends with somebody to give you a book like that, don't you? <laughs> the Joys of Success. Well, I've, I kind of want, you know, like, okay, I am. But then I found out that John gave him the book. <laughs> that made me feel better, you know. You know, friends, uh, uh, friends care about each other. They, they do things for each other um, because they think the other person needs it, don't they? I want to talk about friends today. Welcome, friends, all of you. So glad you're here. Aren't you grateful for your friends? Some of them are gathered around the table. One of the best things about this thing that uh, it happens every Tuesday is that you get to see your friends and meet new ones, uh, which is kind of the point, isn't it? And so we're delighted you're here. I think they were concerned back in the kitchen if we were going to have enough pigs today, and we did. Um, it, it, it's what a great gathering this is. It's wonderful. We're delighted that you're here, especially if you're a guest. Uh, thank you for being here today, and thank you for being among friends. That's just what this is about. Hey, turn to the friend next to you and say, you're a lot of work. Just say that. You're a lot of work. Yeah. Isn't that true? All right, isn't that true? But all right, all right, wait now. All right, now say to them, but you're worth it. But you're worth it, yeah. Well, that's beautiful, thank you. You know, our friends a lot of times, frankly, are a lot of work, but they are worth it. And thank God, where would we be in life without our friends? What a friend we have in Jesus. He wants to be our friend. I think that's a mind-boggling concept that the great God of all creation in the form of his son came to earth to be among us and be a friend. He calls us his friend. And, and to be a friend of Jesus is, a, is, an, is an awesome and overwhelming thing, really. But he wants to be our friends. Abraham was a friend of God. Think about that. I mean, to be a friend of God and actually acknowledged by God as a friend. Uh, in James, it refers to that, but it's really referring to Isaiah 41.8, where it says, God says, Abraham, my friend. Now, when God says your name and followed by my friend, I don't know if it can get any better than that. Friend of God. But there are a lot of friends in the Bible. Think about Abraham and Lot. I mean, now here's an earthly friend, Abraham and Lot. And we all know about Ruth and Naomi. We've been quoting uh, their um, relationship at, at weddings for, for centuries, really. Uh, and it's all about friendship. And, of course, if your spouse is not your friend, you, you probably have some issues. Um, but it, it is about friendship. It starts with friendship. You have to live with this person. And, and the truth is, in our relationships with friends, if they're really authentic friends, we, we live with them. We don't always live in the same house, but... We, we abide with them. I, some of my best friends have gone to be with the Lord. I'm sure yours have too. And I, I miss them. I know where they are, but I miss them here. And now I want to put my arm around them. And I know one day that I will. David and Jonathan were great friends. Job uh, names three friends. And my goodness, he went through so much stuff. But his friends weren't always friendly uh, but he names three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Now, if your friends are named that, and you're still friends with them, you must be friends. <laughs> How about Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and 
Abednego. I mean, you better be friendly with somebody with names like that. Elijah and Elisha. Jesus wants to be our friend. That's what we'll be talking about uh, today. But in reality, he named some friends. I mean, Mary and Martha were friends of his, and Lazarus was also. So he, he as a human, the God who was human, also had friends and, and, and hung out with them, like you're doing right now at the table. Paul and Timothy were friends, Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. So the Bible is filled with relationships that go beyond just somebody who's going and witnessing or going to another town, Paul as he traveled around. He had friends. Everybody in the Bible has friends, and they're talking about the friends. And that is a a template for us. And I I pray that you have many good friends. But what about that? Is, is, Is that really a gift of God? How should we treat them? How should we respond to them? You know, friends are the people who really make our life complete. They, they complete our lives. Sometimes they complete our sentences. We, we can be ourselves with friends. I mean, like the real self, not the put-on self, not the self that you're trying to show someone else, but, but your real self. We can confide in friends. They're dependable. They come when everybody else is leaving. It's a friends. They don't have to know why you want them to come. They're just there. That's a friend. Friends, if we're real friends, ought to show what God's love is. That's what friends do. Is they show the love of God to each other. With that in mind, let's look at these scriptures in the Gospel of John. John 13 through 17 is really the heart of the New Testament. Uh, if you'll notice, if you're looking in, in your Bible at the table, you'll notice that these are always in red, and yours might not be, but if it's a Bible that has the the words of Jesus in red, this will be in red because these are the words of Jesus. He says this, so we're quoting him. John 15, 11, he's talking about a lot of things that he wants us to have, and then he says this, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So, It's a meaningful life that God wants us to have, but in this particular case, he's saying that friendship with me, being the Son of God, and friendship with each other is the best gift that I have to give you. And then look at this powerful statement in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Wow, is that a tall order? Love one another as I have loved you. Well, we know how much love he had for us, and he's, he's saying as a commandment that you should love each other that way. And I guess you've noticed we haven't done too well on this sometimes. We just haven't. So what can we do? I love this, verse 13. Greater love hath no one than to lay down one's life for his friend. Now, that always doesn't mean in just in terms of standing in the gap and maybe putting your body in front of someone else who's about to have something horrible happen to them. It could mean that. It does mean that. But it means more than that, and that is to lay our lives down for each other, to be there for each other through the good times and the ones that are not so good. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. So there's the prescription for being a friend of Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. There's the the way to do it. 
No longer do I call you servants. And he tries to make sure that we understand what he was talking about. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. No, servants don't know what their masters are doing. They're, they're not even, I mean, I, I've, I've seen evidence and, and seen writings about it. Like in Windsor Castle, the servants can't even walk on the same carpet that the royal family walks on. They have to go through different corridors. They have to walk over to the side. They can't walk on the, the red carpet or whatever carpet it is that they have there. They don't know. They don't know and they don't want to know. They're not entitled to know what the masters are doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So this is a whole new thing here. This is Jesus saying, I want you to know what God wants you to know. You're, I don't, I'm not looking to you to be my servant. I, I, will want, I want to be a friend with you. I want to have that kind of relationship with you. And if you keep my commandments, you will. Then he makes this statement, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Well, obviously, one of the reasons that, one of the evidences that you are a friend of God is that you're bearing fruit. That's, you're making a difference in the kingdom of God and that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I command you that you love one another. The prescription for friendship. Loving one another. How do you think we're doing on this? Sometimes we do very well. You hear stories. They're called human interest stories on the news about something that someone did for someone else. It's just so profound you sit at home and maybe you tear up a little bit as you're watching it. Thank goodness for those stories. Usually those are buried in a newscast where this many people killed this many people and this many people robbed this many people. And th Well, that's, that's where we are. This is not what God commanded. This is not what God wants for us. And he's told us that we can be better than that. And, and you know, you've heard it before, it's, this, is a, this is a vertical and a horizontal relationship. Because he's saying, love others as I have loved you. And there's the I have loved you, and this is the love others. And so it's supposed to be that. It's the design, and it's a commandment, not a suggestion. My uh, father was in the uh, Army for 23 years, my father-in-law. Uh, was in the Air Force for a little bit longer than that. So I come from a military background. I was born in an Army hospital. So I started out that way. In the military, it's all about the chain of command. Same thing in so many other areas of our life, certainly in the law enforcement and uh, in, in, in firefighters. We uh, lift up those Houston police that were uh, injured uh, last evening doing their, doing their job. Uh, following a command uh, of those people who, who run the police department is saying, you need to go out and, and do this, and they did it, and, and we know what happened in the course of that. So following the command can be a very dangerous thing, but it's not optional, you know, when you're given a command. And, and this is a commandment from Jesus. The story is told of three soldiers who were uh, commanded uh, to do something, and here's what they were commanded to do. Take this pistol and go in that room. There's a person in there that we want you to execute. Well, the first soldier took the pistol, went in there. There was no sound coming from the other side of the door. In a little while, he came out and he said, I cannot do this. That person in the chair was my wife. I'm not shooting my wife. And he hands the pistol, so he fails. Didn't follow the command. We'd say, well, we understand that. Second one went in, 
Same thing happened. No, no, no gunshots were heard. And uh, in a little bit, uh, he actually came out weeping and said, I can't kill, this is, this is my wife that was in the chair. I can't kill this person. He left. Third person was a lady soldier. She took the pistol and she went in and you heard gunshots, like about six of them. Then she came out very frustrated and haggard and she says, blanks. There were blanks in the pistol. I can't believe you put blanks in the pistol. You ordered me to do something and I, I, I wasn't successful. I had to beat him to death with a chair. <laughs> and it was my husband. <laughs> well, you know, she was obedient. She, she had a command and she took care of it. Well, that's an extreme example to say the least, but that's really what God is looking for. He's looking for us to be, he's not commanding us to feel love. He's commanding us to show love for each other. Sometimes love involves sacrifice. It involves difficulty, involves pain, but it always involves commitment. Love always involves commitment. It is a commitment. And that's what God is looking for in terms of our relationship with him and our relationship with each other. My uh, twin boys are both expecting children this year. Chris is expecting a, a child in June. Uh, it's going to be a boy. I just can't wrap my brain around how we know what they are before they show up. But we do nowadays. So he's got a boy coming in June, and J Joe has a baby coming in September. I think about what love is, and love isn't just holding your child and thinking, oh my goodness, this is the most attractive child in the history of the world. I mean, love is waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning because they're sick and you lay down with them and cuddle them. That's love. Love involves a commitment. It's a, it's a command. Uh, you're a lot of work, <laughs> but we're worth it. We're worth it. Love is not abstaining from doing your brother harm it's looking for ways to do him good, and that's even when he doesn't deserve it. Wouldn't that define love, even when they don't deserve it? Anybody can love somebody who loves them back. We certainly didn't do anything to compel God to love us, but we can't do anything to make him love us less than he already does. And we know how much he loved us because Jesus said, love me as I have loved you, and we know what he did in our stead. So, how much love should we have? As much as it takes for each other. He did not love us because we were lovable, that's for sure. His love is not dependent on us. His love is never changing. For a person to say no salvation, no salvation, no salvation for me, is to deny the love of God towards you. He wants us. He loves us. He desires us. We were created for fellowship with him. And if we don't have it, it says something about us, not about him. He loves us. Look at this last verse again, or next to last verse, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So that means love. Now, it also means love towards those who aren't lovable. The easy part is loving those who are. It's loving those who don't seem to deserve it because that's what Jesus would do. That's what he did do for everyone, everyone. That's the powerful love that is being talked about in this particular thing. So thank God for that. 
Thank God for our salvation, but thank God for our friends. What a gift they are. What a friend we have in Jesus, but what, what a friend we have in the people that we care about. Not only our family members, who should be our friends, but also the people we interact with. Many of you came from work. You're getting ready to go back to work. Thank God today for the friends that you have where you work. And if you don't have any, maybe you should set about the business of making some. Because you really knew, do need to be one to get some. I mean, that's, that's the way it works. And it won't be a 50-50 relationship. There's no such thing. It, it'll just be you giving and loving and caring even when they don't deserve it. I mean, most of us have seen somebody in life at one time or another who thought, after being with them just a little while, I want to be a friend with her. I want to be a friend with him. But you know and I know that most of the time it takes time. It's a time. In fact, you've probably been with people that you didn't want to be friends with and you knew it right away, but you are friends with them now. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of understanding. It took a lot of knowing. God wants us to be friends, and he wants us to treat each other as he would treat us. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy will be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's a lot of love. It's been my joy just recently to get to know Michael W. Smith very well, the one who wrote that song that you heard, Friends Are Friends Forever. And oh my goodness, how many youth camps, I was a youth pastor for years, have we sung that song at? I, every time I hear the song, it brings tears to my eyes because I remember standing around campfire singing that song with a guitar. I remember hearing it for the first time. I never dreamed that he would write the music to the movie that I made, 90 Minutes in Heaven, and, and that he would actually star in the movie as my best friend, Cliff McCarville. But he did, so I've got to know him real well, and our family loves him very much. And he wrote that song. One of his biggest fans was President George H.W. Bush. He asked the president, or the president asked him to sing that song at his funeral, the president's funeral, and he did. Right here in Houston, not very far from where we're sitting right now. If we have that picture, uh, you don't mind putting it up. Uh, th this is at a concert that. You can't see it very well, but if you look right in the middle of the picture, you can see Barbara's hair, and George is sitting right beside her, and there's Secret Service standing behind him. That's right behind us. Nicole and Scott, my daughter and her husband, and my wife and I were sitting there at the concert at, uh, at Michael's invitation, and right behind us uh, was the former president of the United States. Last time I saw him, really, uh, we saw him many times here in the Houston area. He loved this area. He adopted it, and we adopted him. So, this is the song that Michael W. Smith sang at that service. Spring. 
something because I've been friends with him for 29 years and so the fact that he wanted me to sing in his funeral uh, it's just it's just an honor beyond words really is we've been friends for 29 years and it was an honor God bless you friends Jesus said love each other as much as I have loved you your strong love for each other will prove that you are my disciples. Lord, bless all of us. Thank you for our friends. And we acknowledge right now what a friend we have in Jesus. Until we meet again, amen.